0: Welcome to the Compassionate Capitalist Radio Show with host Karen Rands. A compassionate capitalist is someone who invests their money into entrepreneur endeavors to bring innovation to the market and create wealth for all those involved. Karen shares insights and best practices for entrepreneurs to succeed and investors to share in that success without all the risks and now hello, welcome back to the compassionate capitalist show. I'm Karen Rands and occasionally I will go ahead and do a a podcast or a video cast with just myself as my guest uh, because there's a topic that's timely, uh, something that keeps coming up or something I need to explain further. And so today we're doing that. So um, one of the things that I offer to investors that are new, have purchased my book or are solo investors out there that or even angel investor groups or or small groups that simply don't have the time and the resources to do initial evaluations. Back and, and and they say, well, well, Karen, how do you have such a great track record of identifying these red flags that can predict the success or the failure of a company? Now, granted, there are a lot of situations that will cause a company to fail even after they have received an initial round of capital or have been cleared by a screening committee. And these are sometimes are factors outside of their control. Uh, they unanticipated changes in the marketplace or trends, uh, regulatory changes, and even like what we experienced recently with uh, COVID. Uh, there's, there's cash flow remedies that can help to prepare and anticipate of those kind of changes that, but that is a real, that oftentimes entrepreneurs don't, um, Uh, understand or embrace, and the the investors are passive, so they're not always looking at those characteristics on a day-to-day, month-to-month basis, but there are some ways that you can identify that based on an initial conversation with the entrepreneur or just looking at other characteristics of how they do things, and so we started back when i was running the angel investor group the network of business angels and investors implementing a process and a policy that would screen a company and give them a red light yellow light green light for going forward with our investors and and from that we would produce a, usually about a 10-page report that the entrepreneur could then learn to could use to Uh, see how they would be more investor ready, but also investors could use it to see whether they wanted to go ahead and help that company move from yellow to green or, you know, uh, avoid the red. If there was something really compelling, specific about it, then they might um, work with the company, uh, provide the capital that the company need, the oversight, help pull the team together so that they could move from red to yellow to green. So in this particular, talk today, I'm going to go over at a high level, what are those categories, what are those areas that we look at and why they're important? So you listening as an entrepreneur today um, could assess this for yourself, if you're in the process of starting to raise capital, uh, and also to the uh, investor, if you're looking at deals, you're welcome to come to us and, um, and save time and money save the potential money that you're that you might lose on a deal and the time you might spend going through due diligence with a quick uh, uh just a few days turnaround you would have a report that would tell you they're red light yellow light green light so uh <clears throat> so what do we look for within that right this is uh um this is built off of of a decade plus of working with entrepreneurs. See the ones that succeed, see the ones that raise capital, but also even more importantly, uh, the hundreds of of investors that I've interviewed when I was was managing the network of business angels and investors, as well as when I was preparing to write my book, Inside Secrets to Angel Investing, which uh, of course is the primer to learn, would you, should you, could you be an investor in entrepreneurs? So the first thing that we do is we look at it, we assess their business plan, their pitch deck, their executive summary, and their financial forecast, and their offering terms. And within that, we look at an overall. Um, you know, how do they explain their business? How do they organize organization? Organization? Oh, I'm sorry. How do they organize their information? so that it's clear to understand and it tells a story because this is an indicator of their ability to raise more capital or all the capital it needs because you know when you're first raising capital you're going to do uh the initial people that already know you that are subjective to what you're doing they're connected to your product or your offering or they're connected directly to the entrepreneur and so they are emotionally attached to wanting to invest so they may overlook some other things and a lot of the red flags that we identify are from investors that made an emotional decision which they all do i've done it uh and then you know afterwards they hindsight when that deal went south or the deal didn't scale the way they thought it was going to scale it got stuck in a plateau a payroll exit, as Hal Martin would say. Hal Martin would say. So they um, then uh, and uh, they go. You know, I should have known that if I just asked this question, or if I just looked up this information, or I just did whatever, I would have known that this company didn't have the potential to achieve all their results, and um, or it would have had a better insight, or you know, done something in the way that they structured their offering so that it would mitigate that risk. So overall, we look at how they structure and organize their information. And one of the things that we look at, because a part of it is really an entrepreneur understanding their marketplace. And so this is one of our little things. If the thing that makes them really compelling, the thing that's like, oh, there's the hook. If it's halfway through the plan and it's not at the beginning, we know that they don't understand how to talk to investors and they don't know what investors are looking for and why investors care and they're uh, likely not going to raise all the capital that they want. That's just one of those, those early indicators. The next thing we look at is accuracy and currency. So are they referencing um, statistics that are very old Um, Are they, are, is there, is the, the, are they consistent in explaining their financial model with what's in the financial model? Because if they lack accuracy and currency and consistency between their documents, that shows either a level of laziness, uh, uh, disorganization, Uh, or they could be um, don't know how to delegate properly and then how to manage the team properly, because sometimes somebody might be doing a piece of the work for them. If they're completely outsourcing their business plan, this could very well be an issue because something that somebody that went and researched something on their own and produced it to the uh giving it to the entrepreneur the entrepreneur is sort of like well this is it i don't really you know i'm just taking my business plan because i just paid a bunch of money for it but they don't actually get involved in the process to make sure that it's accurate for their industry or accurate in the information a lot of times we would find discrepancy in numbers and a discrepancy in in um uh like Strategies and things like that that they're going to use. The next uh, category or element that we use in the research and the assessment is target market and um, positioning. We look at the content, um, look at the content provided to determine if that target market and the strategy to gain the market share is reasonable and attainable, relevant to the type of product, price point, and sales strategy and competition. That's a big sentence, but it really addresses whether they can penetrate the market and reach the target market based on their strategy. So a lot of times entrepreneurs um, have limited foresight. They know how they're gonna launch, they're gonna get started a lot of times and they'll just throw you know social media or Facebook advertising or something like that. They make a lot of assumptions about the viral adoption of their product. Um, and the marketplace, and uh, they don't really have a clear path or strategy, and you can see that reflected in their financials, which we'll talk a little bit more about. But when they, when it's go to market, in order you have to look at the at the pattern of success of companies that have achieved the high success rate of um, massive market adoption millions and millions in revenue, tens of twenties to hundreds of millions in revenue. What was it they did? And, there, and there's, not, there's not a name brand product that we know today that grew their entire business with Facebook ads. You know, that's just the reality of it. And so when a business, um, a business model only has social media or digital advertising as part of their strategy, then we know they are not really understanding their marketplace and how they're going to scale. So that's you know just one of those types of things. If they are um, their target market is a broad range of men, eighteen to forty years old. An eighteen-year-old is very different than a forty-year-old. If they do, you know, so they have to truly understand what is it, what's what is it that they are, who are they targeting, and how are they positioning themselves in the market to wedge into a marketplace, which leads into their unique selling proposition. Have they done the work to truly authentic, to identify their authentic customer? Who is it that needs that product more so that it's gonna be, and what are they willing to pay for it? Is there a clear need being met in the market by that product? And will that target market be able to identify the USP, the unique selling proposition amongst the noise of the competition? How are they gonna differentiate in the marketplace. And um, that is really a critical aspect. A lot of times, this is reason why people, a lot of these organizations will go to these um, business model canvas, because they're trying to get people to narrow down their target market and their unique value proposition and their authentic customer because most entrepreneurs, particularly startups, have a very broad scope scope of that and they don't do the work needed to really understand how they're going to get to market. Now, they may be off and they have to pivot or they've got to test and measure, but then they should explain that in their description that this is what they're starting with and this is how it might change over time, which leads into competition and barrier to entry because when you're starting in a marketplace, first of all, in competition wise, there's never a situation that there is no competition. There is what the market perceives as the competition. And even if you're, whatever it is, they're solving that problem now um, in some form or fashion. So how are you going to educate them that you have a different way of solving that problem so that they're going to be able to um, see it and want it and pay for it, right? And so um, there's the status quo can be a competition. They can just choose to keep doing things their own way. Uh, and then there's the big guys. If there's somebody that is a big player in the marketplace that you serve and they just don't have the niche product that you have, well, part of what your SWOT, if you use a SWOT, competitive analysis, it, that's strength, weaknesses, opportunities, threats, a threat may be that this company may go and develop a product but it's also an opportunity that they may be willing to buy your company they also might be a source of funding to help you develop the product if they've identified that need in their niche. but this also relates to how scalability the scalability of a company i I, i've had investors that spend a lot of time working with an entrepreneur working through understanding getting ready to invest and then elected not to because they finally decided once they uh, they got to know the customer in the target market better than the entrepreneur that the entrepreneur was not going to be able to scale. And that's probably the biggest risk associated because, you know, with the company and being able to get the eternal rate of return that the investor wants. So, and then what's the buried to into is there intellectual property? Are there um, relationships that such as Uh, uh, partnerships, joint venture partnerships, uh, certain strengths that the entrepreneur or the team have that other people don't have related to that. So it's got to be the barrier to entry has to be more than just money. It has to be something that's in the know-how of the entrepreneur or the team and the the relationships that they have or access to markets that they have. And then also intellectual property that might create that barrier for somebody just to come in and spend more money than you and, Uh, be able to take that market away, particularly if you've been creating a market because you were doing something novel and new. And then traction. Under traction, we look at what has the company done to validate their business model. That would be in the evidence of a beta test, customers, revenues. Without that, it's what joint venture partnerships they have, uh, an MVP, a minimal viable product. They've got a prototype that they've done that they've shown to people they've you know got a commitment for people that says if it does this I'll do that you know I'll buy it if you win when, when you get this so you know uh, not just because you talk to somebody at a trade show it has to be something in writing that shows that that you've got traction. And this goes directly to the value of the company. Sometimes just because an entrepreneur wants a $10 million valuation when they're raising capital doesn't mean that they qualify for a $10 million valuation. There are third-party independent organizations that will evaluate the intellectual property and give you a value for that. You can look at the, um, uh, the, there's, you know, so you know, where are you in the process? There's a difference between a patent filing, a patent pending, and a patent awarded. All of those drive a different level of traction in the marketplace and a different valuation when it comes to looking at what is the inherent value of the company before you've received capital. And so, um, without those those areas that also affect the barrier to entry. Um, you're really at a at an idea stage, and you are going to get the minimum amount of capital, and most likely going to have to do it on some form of a debt instrument like a safe note or a convertible note because it's too hard to assess what the capital is. But the, I mean, what the valuation is. But the whole approach to the, to doing this, and when you raise your capital and you put a capital strategy in place, is to understand that you gain value in the company through each round. So even though you are giving up, you're giving up majority of your share or you're giving up a share of the company as the f- company further gets diluted, the amount of capital and the amount of equity that's giving up for the amount of capital continues to get smaller for the larger amount of capital as the company gains evaluation, but you need to plan that uh, from the get go. And, and so when I'm evaluating, for a comp- an investor, I look at the cap table and look how they've structured the cap table and look at those kind of things, look at the rest of their capital needs. What are they going to, are they, do they know how much they really are going to need and when they're going to need it? Because one of the biggest flaws in a company and where they fail is because they fail to raise the right amount of money for the stages and they underestimate how much time it's going to take to raise the next round of capital. And they lack the resources to effectively raise the capital because the way that their, their team is set up or because they refuse to hire professionals to help them in that process. Um, and, uh, you know, they're, they're throwing mud on the walls and they're not being very effective or efficient and they're raising their capital. Management and advisory board. We look at the management to see what relevant experience they have. Is this just a bunch of people that got together because they had a good idea? Do they actually have relevant experience in the industry or in the product that they're trying to solve or in the solution they're trying to bring to market? And if if they don't have that management because they don't have a lot of money, then who do they have on their advisory board that has experience in that, that will open up the door and those people may become employees once they get funding. Right. So that's um, if you've got a situation where a company says, oh, I've got this great person that's going to come on and they're going to cost three hundred thousand dollars and they're going to make or break us. You know, we're going to be able to succeed because of them. Well, that person wants to come on board, then they need to and they're they need to be an advisor and they need to open up their Rolodex for funding, because if they're going to make that much of a difference in the company, they should be willing, one, to put their own money in at least a little bit to hire somebody professional to go raise capital and to open up their Rolodex and tell people that they're gonna join this company um, when they uh, when they receive funding. And if you give us funding, then I can start to be successful in this company and make you money, Mr. Investor, right? And then, so that's, you know, there's a real key. P- and then identifying if they don't have those people, who will they need? Because that might be an executive check that'll bring money in and put in it. So if they don't have, a CFO identified, a CMO identified, you know, an operation person, a person that knows manufacturing, whatever their business is, if they haven't identified at least the skill set that they want that person to have, then they're not prepared for capital. They're not prepared to actually scale. You want to be able to put money into a company that knows what they're going to do with it and the path that they're going to take, the shortest path they can get to revenue and start be able to pay their own bills, not out of investor capital. And then investor capital can start to be used for growth strategy. And lastly, we look at in the investment structure and the return on investment. So this goes into the financials. Financials are really a true sort of like spyglass, magnifying glass on the thinking of the company because a lot of times they will just go into a um, a multiple, they'll do a, a formula and it will just grow their business. And um, they really don't understand where the revenues are gonna come from. They don't understand their sales cycle. They don't understand their cost of goods. They don't understand the resources that they're gonna need in order to generate the revenue that they're talking about. There's a lot of available sources for that information the small business development center there's a lot of information that you can gather to understand that uh, the advisors can help with that particularly if there are people that have, are in big companies or have seen the growth of a company because you don't get companies that have 10 20 30 100 million dollars and have a resource number a people cost that is flat from when they were startup or when they were a million dollar company all of those expenses grow and the bigger and you don't have a small number on advertising you don't have a small number on these things you'll see technology companies will have a big rd number and no you know the tech founders and they'll have none of this other number that could uh sustain that growth or support the growth that they intend and that's a red flag that means they don't know what they don't know and they're not willing to go figure it out or get advice from somebody which is the 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 last and final thing is the coachability of that um founder or that team of founders are they willing to listen and identify how they are going to go from a founder to a scalable company what resources they need, what their plan is for doing that, the roadmap to do that, and the funding that they need to do that. The people, the money, and the plan. Do they have that? And so that is um, our red flag you know, business plan assessment, business assessment service that we offer. Uh, and we do you know, different flavors of it, depending on if an entrepreneur comes to us or an investor comes to us. Uh, there's additional things that we fold into the investor model on this, but, you know, having um, run an angel investor group done this type of evaluation on hundreds of companies. Now I serve as a mentor on business plans, a business co- uh, companies that are competing. I have got track record where <laughs> Every company I've coached in the last three years has placed first or second in their business plan competition because I understand this stuff. And so I'm, I'm revealing, I'm kind of opening up the curtain for you guys to understand it too, because the purpose of the Compassionate Capitalist Show is to equip the, our entrepreneurs and our investors and the CEOs and the um, strategic advisors that listen to this podcast on what are sort of the, the key inside secrets to what helps a company succeed and produce the return on investment that that founder wants for all his hard work or her hard work in building this company up, the wealth and the generational wealth they can create from a successful company. And for all those investors that are putting their money in, in some cases, their time and knowledge in resources into these companies for them to succeed. They're doing it as a fraction of what the founder is doing, but but they want to participate in that success without all the risk. But money is money, right? And time is money. So we work to save investors time and money and entrepreneurs time and money in seeking capital and investors in deciding which deals they want to spend time with to get through all the due diligence process. So thank you. Please go to KarenRands.co and get more information about the services that we offer to entrepreneurs and to um, the investors and um, uh, that are going through this. And I look forward to talking to you. You can sign up for the Compassionate Capitalist Coffee Breaks, which are tips that I do, one to two minute videos that we send down on a week or biweekly basis. Just depends on the topic every other week. Uh, short little mental break for you to get a refresher in something that you need to be doing to work on your business. And with that, thank you very much for subscribing to the Compassionate Capitalist Show and to my channels Onwards and Upwards.